Hello and welcome to my business CFTF talk called Hacker the Blue. Uh, we're covering something I think extremely, in my opinion, interesting today. I probably would say that as um, it's very much become, I guess, our baby over on defensive content. Uh, we're covering Sherlock's today. Uh, I guess you probably sat there wondering what is Sherlock's. There's plenty of re reading material on this, uh, but we'll cover it uh, both at a high level today and we'll also play through a Sherlock's live um, as part of this talk. Uh, and that is the main focus of the talk. Sherlock's is investigative-based content. Um, what we're really covering when we say investigative content is we're talking in particular uh, about content within Deadly Labs that is called Sherlock's. So if we just jump into our dedicated labs here, um, we can see we've got Deadly Labs and then we enter Deadly Labs. You can see that there's probably something you haven't seen before in Deadly Labs if you have got licenses. And that are, is a wide variety of content uh, with varying shields as part of it. Um, you can actually filter now uh, based on offensive or defensive content. If we type in defensive, for example, uh, we can see anything with the blue shield is defensive. And anything with the red shield is offensive. Uh, what we're going to cover today, though, uh, is uh, a Sherlock called Repetitive D. Now, you might have heard of repetitive before if you've completed any of the offensive content within EP. Uh, repetitive is actually an exclusive machine. So, not only are we bringing regular Sherlock's out, um, so we'll have eight out uh, that are, I guess, classified as exploratory at any one time, uh, but we'll also have bonus content sort of in between that, uh, and we'll release that as we create it. The bonus content in particular uh, will, for the most part, I guess, be directly relevant to a machine. So you can actually complete, I guess, the offensive or red team side, and then go for a full purple team approach and also complete the blue team. Um, if we just jump into our Sherlock here, uh, we can see, for example, we have a scenario, uh, which we can cover in some detail here. And we have 10 questions and answers. Now, the reason we cover questions and answers um, rather than I guess flags, like a user flag and root flag, is that within blue teaming, if, we, if we've provided just flags for the Sherlock's in particular, what it might make some people do is potentially just, just look for the flag, which I believe for Sherlock's in particular is probably the wrong way to go with that. We're trying to teach not just, I guess, the core technical skills of DEFA, but also a lot of the context is quite important as well. Um, so like I said, we go through questions answers. Now, these don't have to be answered in a linear fashion. Um, you can answer them, you can start on question one and then go question five. You can answer them in order if you'd like. We've tried to make them, put them in the most logical order possible, uh, but it is free. So feel free to answer the questions as you perform your analysis. As what we're really trying to encourage here is for you to perform your analysis in the same way you would if you were analyzing an instant similar to this at work. Um, so you see in the about section here, uh, we also cover some high level details as to what the Sherlock is, what you're expected to do. And also some details about, I guess you can call it our purple team approach, uh, which is essentially if you enjoyed the experience of playing through this Sherlock, please go away and also play through the offensive machine. I can speak, I guess, volumes as to how much that has helped myself in the past when I've been um, performing instant response activities. Understanding the red side, I think, it's still really critical. And the same goes for your offensive guys and girls, but understanding the blue side. 
So let's just read through this scenario. Um, so we believe an attacker has access to our internal network. An alert has fired for a malicious file on our 3D printing server. The implications are serious. This server is vital to our business operations and any compromise could cause significant disruption. We are provided with a network capture and a set of Nginx access logs. Using these, please investigate how this compromise could have occurred. We are reliant on you to ensure our business continuity. Okay, brilliant. So this scenario is really meant to, I guess, hone your focus in on the instant. We've tried to really simulate here, I guess, a ticket that might have come through to you at a SOC or a phone call that might have come through from a client if you work for a deeper security, if you work for a deeper team or a consultancy. These are this kind of information you'd expect to retrieve in my experience and our team's experience. Um, so if you can see a zip password here, hack the blue is a password to uh, all our zip files. Um, if it does contain malware, there'll be an additional unique password for that Sherlock within the actual Sherlock itself. Uh, so we can hit download uh, and it will download. Um, but I've already, I guess, call it pre-cooked this and downloaded um, the repetitive zip file to my local host. I'm just gonna take a quick pause here to grab a drink of water and then continue. Okay, all good. Um, so I guess some additional information here, we can see we've provided with a network capture, so packet capture or PCAP uh, and some HTTP logs. If we just switch over to our analysis machine, we're using Kali for this today. You can see here we have the zip file. I've already unzipped it though. Uh, as you can see within here, we have um, both our Nginx uh, directory uh, where we have, oh, if it loads, give it one second. There we go. Uh, my computer's going absolutely crazy right now. Um, so we have our access logs and our error.log. Um, like I said, the error.log, I don't usually find that that helpful in the instance. Uh, we can check it out later if we'd like to. Uh, but we'd like to start the analysis from our access.log uh, due to the fact it's considerably smaller and they're at 71 kilobytes. And I believe there could be considerably less information than our packet capture at 49.3 meg, but we will open that for now anyway. Okay, brilliant. So let's get that open. So as you see, I'm not tracking back and forth in between my questions um, and sort of evidence. We'll have a look at as, as an overview of the evidence first. And what we're really trying to find here, everyone, I guess is the initial breadcrumb. Because that's what forensics, digital forensics, instant response, SOC work, that's what that's all about. Find that initial breadcrumb and then following those all the way back till you get to your source. Um, and the source in most scenarios is why the attack happened, what was exploited, okay, how can we fix that going into the future? So we'll open that in a Visual Studio code. Um, okay, excellent. Let's make sure we can see every line with word wrap. So if this file was a lot, lot bigger, uh, what I would like to do is drop this into a seam tool, Splunk, Elk, Greylog maybe. And my tool of choice would be with Splunk. Uh, and because it's an access log, that would just eat that up. Uh, and that's where I perform a lot of our hunting or searching. I think for a file this small, it's not really that necessary today. So we'll just be reading this um, in the good old fashioned way. One key point to note, timings. Um, timelining is very important in response. That's why when you're completing Sherlock's, you might even get fed up at some point of a lot of questions being, okay, at what time did this happen? At what time did this happen? The reason we're asking that is because once again, it's directly relevant to how you report an incident. 
we're trying to simulate as close as possible everything short of you sending us full reports for us to manually mark we're trying to simulate how, how you would write that report and the information you might include in that and timelining i guess is, is very important for anything to do with the blue world okay so once again it's a utc plus one um okay so now let's have a look through um and gain some details. You'll see here the host. Um, we'll, start, we'll start left to right. Let's play in the access log first. We'll see here this is our source IP address. So the IP address of making the request to our web server. Uh, our web server is at so HTTP, so printing.repetitive.htb. Um, obviously, we see our time there. Um, this is the type of HTTP request. This is a GET. And then this will be the URI um, that you can see here. Okay, if we keep scrolling down, and what we're looking for here is something that stands out to us. Um, we know that it's running a 3D printing server. Um, we haven't been told of any anything else it's running, and the only artifacts we have been found are a PCAP and this. So you'd assume there might be some evidence in here if this has been compromised. And what we're also looking for here, I guess, is any details around what the print server might actually be running and any details around around that as well. Okay. So once again, we can see that this, I guess, fits the bill with in terms of access to our internal network. Um, this is obviously not public facing from what we can see here anyway. Um, naturally, all the IP addresses seem to be local addresses, so in the 10.0.0.0 slash 8 kind of range uh, from what we can see so far. And once again, just scrolling down here, looking for anything that sticks out us. And there's, there's not a huge amount so far. We've seen a, a new address here, 10.10.0.11. Once again, it's in the same range and it's looking like just standard browsing for the most part. Um, no unusual user agents. These are things you might look for on initial analysis. Some some low hanging fruit to, uh, I guess, try and kick off the uh, analysis process or forensic process. Once again, it all still looks pretty normal here. Um, we can't see a huge amount. Ah, okay, this is unusual. Um, so what you can see here is, um, so from the 10.255.24, 254.3 address. This is at 10.01.48, that's 0.901 UTC. We can see an actual HTTP post here, and what looks like some kind of path traversal. I think what's also unusual about this is the fact that curl is the user agent being used. Um, curl is, from as far as I'm aware, <laughs> I know that only can be only used on from the command line, realistically, um, which isn't something a normal user would not, not, it isn't activity a normal user would perform. Uh, so that would use a raise on an internal subnet, immediate concern if a sysadmin hadn't been performing that. Especially when you combine that with the fact you can see some very obvious path traversal here, and then you can see it trying to um, read the cboot.ini file. Um, if we then go to the next line, so 404, so that looked like it was unsuccessful. It then tries to read cwindowssystemula.txt, which is also unsuccessful. Um, and we then see, so HTTP 200, 
So we then see it tries to read the win dot in here. And that actually was successful. Now remember scrolling down uh, repetitive.d if we jump back into our EP platform, I'm pretty sure we saw some questions relevant to that. Um, okay, maybe not just yet. Um, let's go back into our Calico, see if we get a bit more details of this. Uh, suppose, ah, so we can see here, it looks like it's also after win.init, then trying to read C, so program data, repetitive server, database user.sql, and that was also successful. And then the same again. So what's unusual about that is the repetitive server bit. Um, so this looks like path traversal here against uh, what looks like potentially repetitive server, which looks like the printing server that's running. But let's just give, give that a Google to confirm. Okay, um, yeah, so 3D printing service is exactly what we'd expect, I guess. Um, out of curiosity, is there any CVE available for this? Okay, so that's a, quite a recent CVE we can see here. Uh, let's just jump into that and have a look, shall we? Okay, can we see anything else of immediate value in here? Uh, just while waiting for that to load. Okay, not immediately, no, uh, but if we jump back into our browser, hopefully that's loaded. Okay, maybe not. Um, I can see a GitHub advisory here as well. Okay, proof of concept. So, Repetia server uh, version 1.4.1. Okay, yeah, so this is exactly what we're seeing here. So, it's looking like. Um, there's definitely some point type of CV being exploited here, and this serve uh, must be um, earlier than 1.4.1. Okay, yep. So yeah, so we're definitely seeing uh, the attempted exploit of, uh, I guess, a known CV that exists in, in the wild here. And that is CV 2023-31059 for Repetit Server 1.4.1. Okay, excellent. So we know the CV now at least, which is always good news. Uh, so if we go back to our main uh, enterprise platform now in Deadly Labs, we can see here there's probably some questions we can answer. So we use .sql, so that's likely a database. Um, I guess we can like, almost not hazard a guess, but be quite confident that which DB file was retrieved by the attacker. Okay, brilliant, we've got our first question right. Um, uh, we, unfortunately, the attack came from, so I think we can confirm at this point this is an attack now, it's path traversal, it's the exploitation of the CV we mentioned. Um, the attack came from our VPN client subnet, meaning the address is nattered. To assist in future investigations, can you confirm the user agent string? Uh, so that would be curl, I believe, in this scenario. As we can see here, curl 7.88.1. Uh, so let's go back to EP and throw that in as an answer and see if we uh, have hit the nail on the head. Okay, excellent. That's a, a second question that uh, we've got bang on there. Uh, which account was used to successfully authenticate? So I don't, I don't think we've seen that just yet. Um, we've seen a couple of sizes for the use.sql. Um, once again, if we look in here, we can see 20493, 2508. 
We could in theory try both those answers, but it's not too clear which one it would be right now. Uh, so I suggest maybe wait till we can have PCAP to see if we can uh, find those details in there. Uh, but I think what we can see, uh, there's a question about what time the attacker initially attempted to exploit this vulnerability. Um, the first time we can see is in here, uh, and the, the answer would have to be in UTC. Um, so if we go 11.05.2023, 20, if we jump back into EP, so 11.05.2023, and then 10, so in fact, 09.01.2023. Okay, brilliant, so that's another question, right? And which file did the attacker initially attempt to read? Um, so we know that is boots.ini, so if we can see that here, that is the initial file they attempted to read. And the format is asking for it is answer.file, so we're not including the directory in that as well. Okay, brilliant, and what the first file successfully read? Uh, so we saw that earlier as well, didn't we, from our access logs? We've got quite a bit of information from these actually today, haven't we? Um, so win.ini. Okay, brilliant. Win.ini. Okay, excellent. So we've got uh, that bang on as well. Uh, there's still a few questions that we haven't answered just yet. Um, I imagine we'll probably delve into our PCAP for those. Okay, excellent. But I guess what we do know uh, from that, if we just have our, like, our access logs, is that the malicious IP address is at hand here is 10.255.254.3. We know the user agent string curl is being utilized, um, or curl tool, command line tool is being utilized by the attacker. And we know that, um, we, know, we now also know the CV that was actually exploited. Um, so we're doing quite well here at the minute. I think we've, uh, we've answered a few of the questions so far. I think we've probably exhausted our options now uh, from the access log. Uh, so I think we can jump into our PCAP. So I mean, we already know a few details. Uh, with this uh, and that is that the IP address uh, and that HTTP uh, was most certainly utilized um, by attacker as that's what the service actually seems to be hosted on. Okay um, so we can see immediately here um, quite quite clear um, is our path traversals. Bring that a bit. Let's see our path traversals. That is the Euler. That's win.ini. Um, and then we can see program data. I'm sure if we move this to right here, we see use.sql. Uh, now I'm immediately curious if we just follow that uh, HTTP stream, what we're actually seeing there. So we see SQL light formats. And then oh, we can actually see that um, what looks like an administrator account exists within that database that's been stolen. Uh, and I fully expect we can probably export that. Uh, so what packet is that? So that's 1148181. Okay. And we know that was about 20,000 bytes in size. But I expect to see probably the file name based on this of connection, uh, the connection lost.php. Uh, so we'll wait for that to come up. But there we go. Okay, it looks like that's, that's closest in size we can get. We can see two of those, um, however, interestingly enough, we'll, which we can take both of them if we need to and uh, maybe come back for the other. And let's just call that user.sql and save it to Repetia. Okay, excellent. 
Okay. If we just open up our terminal here and strings do.sql. Yeah, we can see that's, that's definitely the uh, SQL database uh, that was stolen there. Now, if we jump back into uh, EP, we can actually see, if we just scroll down here, remember the size of the database retrieved by the attacker and in bytes. So if we go back to our VM um, and right click properties, and we could use command line for this. Uh, I think I'm being ultimately quite lazy here. Um, Wait for that to load up. We can see here that's 20,480 bytes. Uh, so let's enter that into our platform. Okay, excellent. That's another question uh, bang on. Um, very happy with that. Now, we can see here which account was used success to successfully authenticate to our printing server. Uh, based on what we've seen so far, I'm fully expecting this to be the administrator account, but we'll, uh, we'll keep investigating as there might be uh, other artifacts that are missing in there. Uh, but we can like, roll out of that TCP stream. So IP dot. Okay, so we see WSMAN is in use here. And then some kind of NTLM over HTTP um, is in use. And it's all from, I think, once again, the same malicious address that we, we've seen time and time again. Um, if we just roll down here. Okay, so we can't see much else realistically um, in use here. However, I'm quite curious to see... Um, Yeah, we can't see much else um, in use here. Um, if it was tracked back there, I know um, they showed my AP screen for a bit longer. Uh, what we can see here, like I said, NTLM um, over HTTP being used. We can see the user administrator um, potentially attempted to be used. Now, I'm pretty sure this is often indicative of WinRM traffic. Um, so I'm wondering if we do tcp.port and then equals, equals 5985. I'm half expecting to see um, that type of traffic actually being utilized here. Okay, so I guess it's as expected. So we see Desport 5985 um, is being used, WinRM, and we see the user name administrator. Okay, so at this point I think, and based on the fact that this occurs after uh, the theft of the uh, SQL database, we can be pretty confident that the, it was the WinRM that was utilized by the attacker uh, to authenticate to our printing server here. So if we jump back into EP um, and we just actually answer administrator uh, for, oh, there we go, okay, that is bang on. And I think now at this point, we know that um, both port 80 and 5985 has, have been used by the attacker. And it mentions there that what, which two TCP, TCP ports were used. So we can answer that as well. Okay, excellent. Um, so we jump back down, we can see where there's not actually um, many questions left here and which Windows protocol did the attacker utilize to authenticate to our printing server? Uh, something we can answer that as well as WinRM based on the analysis we've done so far. 
Okay, excellent. So there's uh, one more uh, question left, uh, and that is, what is the password of the user account used to successfully authenticate to our printing server? Okay, so go back into our practical VM here. Um, I've not seen much of this in here. It's very hard to actually come to. Based on analysis I have done so far, um, both live and, and an article it's quite hard to come to a conclusion for this but i think that the most logical method will be to look at the actual password that was stolen and it looked like an md5 hash didn't it if we just open uh, our terminal again okay um okay so if we take that md5 hash and just No, no, hash.txt, and we drop this into there. Okay, brilliant. Now, in the meantime, the uh, most certain what I find the easiest method of of cracking a hash is uh, is probably to use a ha crack station. <laughs> um, so that's where we'll go straight away to see if we can actually find the password for this. Okay, absolutely nothing immediately. Um, okay, well, I'm gonna take a quick pause on this to try and uh, read up a few details on potentially how Repetia maybe stores its hashes uh, and see if that would help at all. Um, yeah, I'm not quite sure where to go immediately now. So I'm gonna take a quick pause on this uh, recording and, and come back once I have a couple of answers for you. Okay, um, so this actually involved um, <laughs> setting up um, a Repetia server uh, in Windows. Uh, and what we can see here is there's an app.min.js file. Um, and within that file, uh, what we can see if we have a look within the actual JavaScript functions that exist, uh, that here it quite clearly concatenates um, the username and the password when performing its hashing functionality. Um, so what we actually need to do is append um, to a I guess a password so a password list so we'll use rockqueue we'll append administrator to every single line in rockqueue.txt and then have a look at actually trying to crack the hash so yeah I guess here's one um, I made earlier uh, where I've already performed this um, so if we just open up our terminal here and then if we Look at utilizing a word list, and it'll be the word list rockq.txt uh, with the appended, of course, <laughs> administrator at the start of every line. And then the format is raw md5. Or md5-raw. Oh no, it's I raw-md5. Okay, excellent. We see there, uh, administrator Hugo hash one two hash hash one two three. Okay, excellent. So if we actually jump back into our EP platform now, uh, we should be able to answer the last question. 
so if we answer it, we copy and paste it across. Okay, yeah, so as I explained, we can uh, now enter the uh, credentials that we've seen here. Um, so it is Hugo hash hash one, two, three. Okay, and brilliant, success. So we can see that um, we've successfully completed the Sherlock repetitive dash D. And we've done it within the time we had. Um, there was a couple of points where we had to sort of step away and and rethink something, which is per perfectly normal when building uh, or playing through any Sherlock's. Uh, but I guess, uh, yeah, thank you for watching today. Hopefully you enjoyed this talk. And please feel free to provide myself any feedback from SevH24 for any of the Sherlock's you do play. Thank you very much.